Today's show is brought to you by Audible. Visit audiblepodcast.com forward slash real ghost for a free audiobook download of your choice. More than 150,000 titles to choose from. You can't go wrong there. Audiblepodcast.com forward slash real ghost. Get your free audiobook download there right now. Welcome to Real Ghost Stories Online. Call in your real ghost story now at 855-853-4802 or write in at realghoststoriesonline.com. You're about to enter the world of the unknown and quite possibly the undead. This is Real Ghost Stories Online. Today, a large group of school friends journey to a haunted castle to see the haunting for themselves. But they are soon running for their lives as it begins to attack. A home is abandoned in the Philippines after three gruesome murders. So why is it that neighbors report lights in the upstairs of the home when it is impossible to access? A lifelong relationship with an entity is both tormenting yet full of visions of the future. And employees of a theater not only see an entity, they also are knocked over when accidentally running into it. Those stories, your calls, and more today on Real Ghost Stories Online. Hi. Hi, how are you? It's Tony and Jenny Bruski joining you once again. <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> you, just, you jumped right in there. That's fine. Well, I thought you needed to take a drink or something. I did. And that's what I was, uh, was going to take a quick sip, but you allowed me to do that. So thank you very much. Sorry. I, no, I do appreciate that. <laughs> I'm just going to have like a little sign that, that just goes up instead of on air. It says need a drink. And then it'll just be. Uh, that could be taken the wrong way. That's true. People will think it's just for some other reason. It's more <laughs> so just my large cup of water right next to us that I steal from the zoo every time we go there. So but it's not technically stealing. You pay for that. And it's it's a souvenir. It's cup. a souvenir cup. So, yes, it's a souvenir cup that we have like far too many of. We do. This one has drafts on it. Uh, 855-853-4802 is our phone number to call into Real Ghost Stories Online, of course. Uh, you can also write it on the website, realghoststoriesonline.com. 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Your options are there to share your real ghost stories with us, and we absolutely uh, do love hearing from you. A uh, letter that was uh, sent in online, there's a new uh, ghost device out, and uh, I think I should get this for you for Valentine's Day. No. It's called Ghost Arc. It's a ghost hunting device that lets you see your haunted house if it's how haunted it really is. It's really, it's kind of interesting. It's like, it's like a combination of all the devices that are out there into one. It's your one size fits all catch a ghost thingy. Can I just ask for like cleaning supplies instead of that? Wouldn't you rather have this? I mean, I know how much you love ghost radar when I pop that thing no, out. No, I don't. I'd rather you give me something like a new vacuum cleaner on Valentine's Day or something that's really not romantic as opposed to this. Well, this thing has two omnidirectional microphones and a recorder ready for capturing EVPs. Uh, I believe it also it has a frequency scanner, so it can it can do that. Uh, Ghost that, box? Yeah, that ghost box type thing with it. Um, LED lights. Uh, oh, which will also light up. You know how there's those things where if you can kind of talk to the ghost and say, hey, if, you know, it's this, light up the green light or light up the blue light. People do that, too. And that's and I've seen that in action, and that's creepy. And I've seen that from people I know. Like, I trust know. Not just, oh, I found a random YouTube video and lights are lighting up. It's... Okay. People that I know know really well, and it's like, oh, holy jeez. Yeah. So it looks interesting. Uh, 130 pounds, I believe it's what it's going for. So in U.S. dollars, what is that? About almost double in... Uh, I think... Although, I'm not sure what the... Uh, uh, about one and a half. One and a half now? I don't know. <laughs> that equation is changing almost daily. Uh, but uh, so there you go. Probably in American dollars, probably roughly around 200 bucks. Uh, interesting stuff. Is that what you want for Valentine's? No, I don't want it. Like okay, that. I don't either. No. Well, I already ordered one for you, so happy Valentine's Day. Uh, moving on. Uh, I'm kidding. Okay. But that was the response that I, I sent to the person who sent us the email. It does look interesting. If you're into ghost hunting, this is, you know, I, I'm sure this will be a popular device. Yeah. 
I could see that. It is pretty uh, pretty nifty, if you will. Uh, let's go to our first letter here uh, today at Real Ghost Stories Online. Uh, let me just uh, let me set the mood with a little little mood music, shall we? Bow wow 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 wow. That's the okay. wrong oh, kind of okay. mood music. <laughs> We should do an episode of the show where it's just all inappropriate music in the background. Stuff that does not fit. That'd be April Fool's. Like All of the music is ridiculously inappropriate for the story. It does not fit at all. I wouldn't do that to the people that no. wrote the stories in. Because <laughs> then you were completely distracted. I know I wouldn't do it. Actually, I would, but it would have to be a day that you're sick or something. Uh, oh, okay. <laughs> Daniel writes in, hey, Tony and Jenny. I have listened uh, through all the episodes of Real Ghost Stories Online in just a month's time. Wow. That's like 200-some episodes. That's a lot of listening. That's that's binge. That's serious binge listening. It is. That's where you, if you listen that much, you got to be probably dreaming about it. <laughs> yeah. Seriously, I mean, anytime I binge on like any like sort of program, I, I end up dreaming about it and I have to like stop because it gets to be too much. Uh, anyhow, continuing on, it says, love your program. I'm a Norwegian. Ah, but living in Sweden. I'm sorry to hear that. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I don't know what that even means. I'm Norwegian too, so I... No, I, he's like from Norway, Norwegian. I know. You're of Norwegian descent. There is a difference. That's like saying I'm French. I'm of French descent, but I'm not from France. I'm a Nor. I'm a Norsk. <laughs> You're something that rhymes with it. <laughs> That's true. Let me tell you about an event that uh, I and about 14 friends experienced when I was 19 years old. I and all who were around during the event went to the same school, and we all were in a period where we thought it'd be fun to visit places that were purported to be haunted. Cemeteries and old castles. Yeah, that's very Norsk, because in the U.S. we don't really have castles to explore. Nope. That's like frozen stuff right there. <laughs> Well, they have castles in Frozen, and there isn't that in Norway that takes yes. place, supposedly? Yeah, so there you go. I, I've been watching far too. The thing is, if you would have made a Frozen reference, like, I don't know, a month or two ago, I'd have no idea what you're even talking about. Now I know all about it. One of the friends had read about a place about 200 kilometers away from our hometown. It was a place where people were executed in the 1500s. It was called Gilbaken. I do not know how to translate it into English. It was alleged that at three every night, the fog began to come over the area. No one believed in it, but we still wanted to drive there and check if we saw something. We decided to drive there next Friday after school. We were three full cars. We had walkie-talkies in all cars, and we were fooling around with each other while on our way up. When we arrived at the scene, everyone was silent. We stopped the cars to see the sight from the distance. It was a big hill with fields all around. On top of the hill, there was a large old oak tree. The road we drove on went right over the hill and past the tree. We drove up and parked cars next to the tree. It was then around two. We talked and just waited for the clock to be three so we could see if anything happened. This happened in the month of December, and it was cold and lots of snow. It was a beautiful place with great views over the empty fields around it. Some sat in their cars and warmed themselves, and some stood outside. I was one of them that stood there. The time became three, and nothing happened. We waited ten minutes, and still nothing. I was cold and lost patience, so I went and sat in the car. Suddenly the thick fog came. It was so thick that you hardly saw the car in front. The area went from beautiful to spooky. At this time, all sat in their cars. We just sat there and looked out into the fog. Over the walkie-talkie, I heard that one of the guys in the car behind us saw something move in the fog. They became more and more hysterical. I looked back and saw what looked like a shadow coming closer to the rear of the car and disappeared. Suddenly, it was everywhere around us. Some just stood still and some walked around. In the back seat, one of the uh, class bullies, he had never shown any different side of himself than to be a hard and tough guy. I looked back at him when I heard him start making a sound. It looked like he had difficulty breathing. I asked if he was okay. He was red in the face, and I saw that tears began to flow down his cheeks. He whispered out, I can't breathe. Everyone in the car thought he tried to scare us, but we quickly realized that he did not. He started to turn blue in the face. We screamed over the walkie-talkie, Drive! 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 We drove quickly down the hill while he still was smothered. 
I saw in the corner of my eye to the right a large shadow in the mist running beside the car in the fields. Before I said anything, both from the car in front and behind, someone said over the walkie-talkie that something is running behind us. I looked at it and thought at first that it must be the shadow of the car or something, but it could not have been whatever it was, not having regular speed. It had the size of a horse or a moose, which is impossible. We drove well over 60 miles per hour. No animals in Sweden run that speed. Once we came down the hill, we came out of the fog. Then the guy in the backseat took a deep breath and coughed and began crying in panic. We stopped at the side of the road a few kilometers away from the hill and tried to calm him down. After everyone had calmed down, we talked about what we saw. Everyone saw the same thing and no one could come up with a logical explanation. My friend who was strangled never talked about the incident again and none of us ever wanted to put our foot on the hill again. Did a little ghost hunting after, but nothing as scary as that happened thereafter. Thank you for an awesome, awesome show. Daniel. I don't know much about fog. Is that normal for a fog to kind of appear in certain geographical areas at like a set time, almost like a tide, but a fog? Um, I, I would say near coastal lines, yes, in some places, not every place, um, just because of, and then it also depends on what your weather patterns are, if it's a normal, you know, you know, if you're having a regular day where it changes from this temperature to that temperature at a normal time every day, yes, it's fairly common. Like, especially like on Lake Michigan and such, um, it was very foggy on a regular basis by the beach over by Sheboygan, um, it just because of the way that the temperatures would fluctuate from the, the coolness of the water to the heat of the day, especially spring and fall, that happens quite frequently. Okay. So I'd imagine the same would probably be true in some areas by the oceans, too. Because I was trying to figure out if the fog itself was paranormal or just the being or the entity that they saw in it. I'm going to guess the fog is probably normal. Okay. Um, but um, the entity, you know, the cold may never have bothered them anyway. But Are you the, going to fill this entire episode <laughs> with obscure Frozen references? That's not obscure. Everyone knows that reference. Um, if you have children, you do anyway. Um, but uh, now, I, I, do you think, I wonder, can entities form more frequently in something like fog? Or when, there, when there's a meteorological event going on? And I would put fog into that category. Um you know, over just a normal sunny day or, or clear day for that matter. Does that make it easier to to show up? I don't know, but I would think so because we've talked about um, activity before storms. Sure. And I don't know, being that fog is very wet, yeah. I would think that would help be a conduit. I think that makes sense. I mean, maybe it's just me. Maybe somebody else wants to weigh in on that. Weather and ghosts. Uh, there you go. There's a thread right there for the message board. Yeah. Somebody wants to fill us in on their thoughts and, and knowledge. 855-853-4802 uh, is our phone number here at Real Ghost Stories Online. How would you like a free audiobook? You can get one thanks to Audible. Just visit audiblepodcast.com slash realghost. That's forward slash realghost to get your free audiobook of your choice. Audible is over 150,000 titles to choose from every genre. Uh, but uh, since the fact that you're listening to a, uh, a ghost show, there's some good ghost uh, books out there. One I recently read was uh, The Demonologist, or listened to was A Demonologist, The Extraordinary Career of Ed and Lorraine Warren. Really interesting stuff. It covers a lot of cases of theirs that go beyond just The Conjuring. The Conjuring's in there, but it talks about Amityville. It talks about all sorts of cases that they were involved in. Very, very good book. And today, I just downloaded a new one. Uh, because my other one ran out. I've been on Audible for years, and I love it. Gothic Ghosts. It's a Hans Holzer book, and Hans Holzer used to be an Art Bell quite a bit. Yeah. And uh, he's, you know, kind of one of the uh, the forefront people in the, the chatter of ghosts, if you will, okay. uh, for many years. It's an older book, but it's now an audiobook form. It's a collection of 19 true stories of haunted houses, ghosts, eyewitness encounters in the spirit world. I'm excited about this one. It's uh, stories all over the U.S. Uh, and uh, and even overseas. So uh, I suggest uh, one of those two. Get them for absolutely 
free. Pick one of them. AudiblePodcast.com forward slash Real Ghost to get your free audiobook of your choice. Download it on your computer, smartphone. That's what I use when I exercise. I listen to it or MP3 player. It ain't bad. Free audiobook download when you sign up today. AudiblePodcast.com forward slash Real Ghost. Check it out. Continuing on with our letters today. Bernadette writes in. Hey, Tony and Jenny. I'm back again to tell you more tales from the Philippines and Australia. I'm the girl who wrote in about the uh, figure in the rice field wearing the white tuxedo. I was beyond spooked to hear you guys, or stoked to hear you guys uh, reading my story on one of your uh, latest podcasts, and I'll admit I may have uh, squealed a little to see it in the uh, podcast description. I played the episode for my mother, and she was more than pleased to hear it as well. She even giggled when Tony read the name of the mountains region, uh, and uh, and as requested here, the pronunciation is Hina Tillin. Hannah Tillen, what did I say? I have no idea. I don't know. I, I don't I, think it was that. I mispronounced so many damn things on this show, I just lose count. Uh, did some digging and found out it was not that hard to find some details of why paranormal things happen in this area. Amongst many other areas in the Philippines, I strongly think it has something to do with the Japanese invasion and successful three-year occupation of the Philippines during World War II. The Japanese invaded the country a mere 10 hours after Pearl Harbor was hit. It occurred between 1942 and 1945. And this next part is copy and pasted from Wikipedia. It, uh, uh, as at Pearl Harbor, American aircraft were severely damaged in the initial Japanese attack. Lacking air cover, the American uh, fleet in the Philippines withdrew to Java on December 12, 1941. General Douglas MacArthur escaped... Uh, what is this? Corregidor? Corregidor? I think. I'm not positive. Okay. Corregidor on the night of March 11th, 1942 for Australia, 4,000 kilometers away. The 76,000 starving and sick American and Filipino defenders of uh, Bataan surrendered yes, that's uh, right. on April 9th, 1942 and were forced to endure the infamous Bataan Death March in which 7,000 to 10,000 died or were murdered. The 13,000 survivors on a Corregidor surrendered on May 6th. Sorry for the graphic nature of the content, but again, I have another story related to that area that happened once more while my mother was much younger and living there. Oh, so there you go. Lots of death. Yeah, that, a lot of history there. Okay, so I mean, it's it's like uh, Gettysburg-ish. Yeah. You know, as far as, you know, sheer amounts of death in one area, and that, that does tend to... Uh, it tends to conjure up some ghosts. It does. Uh, says the house she lived in uh, with her at the time, her eight brothers and sisters... Was a bamboo hut on stilts. You think? Wow. So next time, you know, someone with a large family and like a two-bedroom house or a one-bedroom apartment has uh, wants to to complain. Think about that one. Eight brothers and sisters, bamboo house on stilts. Wow. This area was constantly being overrun with mudslides and flash flooding. Hence the stilts. From the house, you can get a clear view of the surrounding areas of pretty much jungle as well as other houses, a few and far between off in the distance. One of the houses that you could sort of see clearly from my grandmother's house was a two-story wood house that had been abandoned and had fallen into ruin. The wood had rotted away in many parts, leaving the second story inaccessible. The family left the house because every single member of the family, near and distantly related, who came to stay at the house would strangely contract a vicious form of tuberculosis, leading to their untimely deaths. As I said in my other story, the Philippine people are very superstitious and took this to be a sign of a curse of some sort. This is why the family fled the house. But before they could leave, another more pressing tragedy struck the family, which I think could have been the cause for the sickness hitting the family. One night while the parents were away in the nearby town, the remainder of the family left behind consisted of their son, their daughter, her husband, and their two grandchildren, an infant and a toddler. It was midday, and the remaining people in the house were having a siesta, a midday nap, while someone or someone's uh, broke into the house. The daughter had awoken and heard the entrance storming around on the first floor and breaking things in their haste to find things of value to steal. She freaked out and hid both of the children in an upstairs storage cupboard and between sheets of linen, not knowing what would happen next. 
The entrance came up the stairs and found the remaining family members now awake and a plausible witness to their crime. So the entrance decided to get rid of the witnesses and murdered them all in a horrific and gruesome fashion. The woman and her husband were decapitated and the son was shot before being left in a disgusting display for whoever found them. He was lifted and pinned to the wall through his neck with a bayonet and left hanging there. Hours later, the parents came home to find the house in utter disarray, only to hear the children upstairs crying and screaming. Rushing upstairs, they stumbled across the gory scene, finding the toddler clumsily holding her baby brother lying on the floor next to their deceased mother trying to wake her up. They left the house after the burial of their family members and after the sickness began killing off other members in the family. So as I had stated before the house lay abandoned for many years, one night my uncle Alfonso was getting ready for bed and trying to get his younger siblings in line for bedtime as well. Growing frustrated, he had stopped to take a breather and leant against the window frame to get some fresh air. Staring out into the jungle, like surroundings, he could see a faint light in the distance bobbing up and down and flickering with the wind. He noticed it was coming from the abandoned house off in the distance. He knew the lore of the house and knew the messed up things that had happened there and was wondering who the hell would be in this house at nighttime, let alone at all. He left the house and walked into what I would call the front yard to get a closer look at the light. There in the window, a solitary candle was lit and had been placed in the window. The weird thing was the light was coming from the second floor, the floor that was inaccessible due to the stairs rotting away years before and rotted support beams. Needless to say, he ran back inside, locking the doors and closing and securing all the window shutters before grabbing his rosary and praying that nothing, human or inhuman, enter his house that night. Nothing did, but the candle has been seen lit in this top floor window many times since then, even to this day. Thank you again to you guys for all that you do. I'm set to become an EPP in the coming days and can't wait to hear more creepy stories in the extra episodes, as well as post some more stories my mother and I have experienced over the years. Keep up the amazing work and stay safe. It's sad. It's The whole story's sad, but it's kind of like almost like an ever-present memorial in the window, mm-hmm. you know, because they can't access that top floor in the house. Sure. Do you lit the light? I don't know. I mean... They'd be like the ghosts lighting their own memorial. I'm... That's the interesting thing about it. Yeah, i Or is it just like, hi, we're here. I don't know. I I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, I just... I'm wondering, with as many people that contracted tuberculosis Mm -hmm. from that spot, uh, you know, it could have been somebody else who'd already died kind of as a memorial to the ones that were murdered there. But if you can't get up there... That's why I'm saying a ghost. Oh, a so, ghost! Like a ghost is doing the memorial for the other ghosts. Yeah, that's interesting. Well, you know, we have stories of ghosts who are like who've helped other ghosts mm-hmm. in other ways. So, I mean, I would, you know, I, that makes sense. Uh, if as insensible as it is, <laughs> it makes sense because it's one of those things where we've heard of other ghosts trying to help others. I mean, can you think, I'm, I'm at a loss, but I know we have have had stories like this where they well, believe a ghost helped another one. Yeah, where a ghost will come back to help somebody who's just departed. Yeah. Cross over. Sure. I don't know. I'm kind of at a loss as to why the light would be there because there's so many different reasons, I guess. Mm-hmm. What would your reaction have been if you knew, if you're in that exact same situation? I think I probably would have been kind of afraid knowing what happened in that house. Would you have tried to go into the house? No. Would you try to look at the house? No. I think I'd want to, but I'd be way too afraid to. Curiosity would be there, but I would be too chicken to do anything. I would have binoculars out looking through the windows of my house at that house just to see if I can see anything or... And then something locks eyes with you and then zaps itself over to your house. And then possesses me. That's what I'm afraid of. And then you recreate the scene that happened and it just keeps happening over and over and becomes a horrible book. Okay. I could see that. Yeah. They should make that into a Goosebumps book for children. 
No, I don't think so. <laughs> Would that be a bit much? A little bit. I've, I, I used to love those, those Goosebumps books when I was a kid. Um, and uh, I, I, I'm pretty sure they don't make them anymore, but I know you can get, like, you know, the old ones. Um, and I'm almost curious to, like, try and read one again to see if I'd still enjoy it just as much. I doubt it. No? No. Not not as scary? I mean, they weren't, they never, like, really scared me, scared me. They always kind of had, like, weird, funky endings at the end of chapters that were almost kind of funny. Uh-huh. But, uh, I don't know. I always, I just, I, I loved curling up with one of those things. They were good times. Yeah. Jack writes in, Hi, guys. I recently discovered your show, and I thought I would uh, write in and share my ghost story with you guys. My name's Jack. I'm 38 as we speak, and my supernatural experience has been happening my whole life. As a child, I was growing up in Johannesburg, South Africa, with my parents. I was a single child at the time, from the age of two. According to my parents, I'd been saying white a lot, and they never really understood why. According to them, around my third birthday, I had already developed an imaginary friend named White, as they thought it was odd because at the age of two, I said I had been saying White. They shrugged it off and saw it as me trying to entertain myself with a friend. The age of six is here, at least I can remember seeing White and being able to describe him somewhat descriptively to my parents. He was a tall, thin figure wearing a hooded robe that looked like it was sewn by random patches of any brown clothing he could get his hands on. Thing was, his hands were old and wrinkly. They had brown spots on them, and he was floating. You could not see his feet. It's like a black void underneath him. His face, well, he had none. He had two white glowing eyes as dots and a wide white smile. He did have a long gray beard hanging down that looked like it had not been washed in years. Obviously, I was not able to describe what he looked like. I just did then. I believe I, w- I told my parents he was a floating wizard. A week later, my parents told me a family friend killed herself in her bathroom, and they told me at the time that she had passed away in her sleep, but that was not the case. She shot herself with a gun in her bathroom, and two days after, they told me that she passed on. Apparently, I walked right up to them and said, How come she shot herself? They scolded me, thinking that I was eavesdropping on them. I was adamant that White told me what she did. As time went on, I can remember White telling me more and more details, some gruesome, describing things like the bullet sound. My parents decided they had enough and took me to several psychologists to see if I had any type of mental impairment. All of them said I was perfectly normal, six-year-old. They passed it off as I heard my parents talking, and my mind was processing it through this imaginary friend who made me feel safe. I continued to play with White until the age of nine. My parents continually told me to stop playing with White. He's not real. I was adamant that he was, and I had even seen him pick up my toys and move them around the room. My parents once again took me to even more psychologists and they told my parents what they did when I was six. I'm perfectly normal and I'm just not letting go of my imaginary friend. At the age of ten, White disappeared from the real world. I couldn't see him anymore. Naturally, I was really upset that I had lost my playmate. My parents had gotten my first pet, a little Jack Russell. I named him Pixel. Pixel took the place of White in my life. I was mainly homeschooled, and it's important to mention my parents were wealthy and believed the best education was homeschooling. I had made friends with kids in the neighborhood and played with them quite a bit. At age 12 was the next time I saw White. I still remember I woke up in the middle of the night and saw him standing at the foot of my bed. My dog was going ballistic, and he was growling, barking, running around, and sounding the alarm. The words that came out of his mouth were, It's good to see you again, Jack. I've missed your smell. His voice sounded so different. He went from sounding like an old man to a voice that made him sound like a mischievous teenager on drugs. My parents ran in asking, What's going on? I was yelling that White is back. And I pointed towards where he was standing. And Pixel was barking, snapping his jaws in the air. I still remember White looked over to my parents, a huge grin came over his face, and he quite literally sank into the ground. As soon as he did this, Pixel stopped barking and ran back onto my bed. My parents took me to a priest and got me blessed, and then the house got blessed. 
This caused me not to see him for four years, but then at the age of 16, I started having dreams, and I still have them to this day. I wake up in this room, and it looks like a classroom, and White is sitting in the teacher's desk. If I look out the window, all I can see is trees that stretch out for miles. He would get up and greet me. He then would tell me things. The first dream I had was when I was 16. He said, do you really think you got rid of me? He then stood up and turned towards the chalkboard, and he would tell me, I'm going to tell you your future. He then would write what is going to happen on the chalkboard. The first one was me breaking my leg. Two days later, I broke my leg. I told my parents about this. They thought it was just a regular nightmare, but then the day came when I broke my leg. I had the dream again, and he said, How is the leg? Does it hurt? He then told me that my mother's BMW would be stolen. I told my mom, and she said, Yeah, right. A week later, the car was stolen. My parents now took me to a specialist, and they did research on me for about a week. They saw nothing unusual when I was sleeping. So we went and got me blessed by the priest again, but it didn't help. White, in my dreams, would yell and curse me out, but he would also give me good news. One time he told me I would ask out a girl at the time, and she would say yes. This woman has become my wife after many years of dating. I was 22 when we got married. Her name is Jacona. During this time, I would continue to have these dreams, and they would come true. For our honeymoon, we went to her home, country of France, where we currently live. Anyway, on the night of our honeymoon, she woke me up, and I turned over to her to see what she wanted. She had a look of terror on her face. I looked at the foot of the bed, and White was standing right there. When he saw me, he grinned and sank into the ground. I yelled, "'What the F do you want?' Why are you here? Leave me in the F alone. I never told her about White. I told her that night about everything from start to finish, how he had been tormenting me for my whole life. She believed it because she just saw him sink into the ground. The dreams continued for several years. Nothing but bad news, such as I would crash my car and her mother would be diagnosed with cancer. Both came true during this time. I've been trying to have a child, but due to complications, this was a difficult process. I remember in one of the dreams, he told me that she was successfully pregnant. When I woke up, I shook her and told her that White told me that she's pregnant. Like all the other things he had told me, he was correct. She gave birth to my daughter, Emily, and she's about 10 years old now. Recently, the dreams have stopped, and just two nights ago, I had just gotten out of the shower and saw White again, standing in the doorway, and he pretty much said the words, I'm free. Since then, he's been moving the house, slamming doors shut. The lights are turning on by themselves, footsteps coming up the stairs. I know this story is hard to believe. That's why I generally keep this to myself, but I can't really take this crap anymore. I was wondering if you guys could give me advice on what I should do, because this is the first time I've ever had him doing these things, and he's scaring my family. Thanks for your time, guys, and please forgive my poor English and grammar. English is the sec- second language and is a pain. I don't know. It's uh, I, I kind of have mixed feelings on that one. I, I I don't want to just go and say it's something dark, but just the continued. Oh, you think you get rid of me? And I don't know. I don't get a super great feeling about white. I don't either. But what came to mind was after white essentially said, you know, that Jack was free. Then they started having the poltergeist activity. And that made me wonder, maybe White was keeping the poltergeist activity at bay from something else. Like, White is communicating, like we were just talking about before, where there's some interaction amongst ghosts there? Maybe. I'm thinking maybe White's like, hey, I'm the only ghost in this house kind of stuff. And then if he was done, then something else would be popping up. It's interesting, like, White... White doesn't seem to be the one that's causing anything dark to happen. It's just more like foretelling of dark things that are going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and foretelling of good things, too. Right. That's the, the interesting thing. I would say if White respects you at all or, or does care about you, you may... I mean, and we go back to the simple thing first, which would be simply, uh, you know, hey, 
white, if you want to talk to me or make yourself visible to me, okay, but please don't uh, don't bother my family. Right. See what happens. If white uh, isn't too respectful of that, I think white may be, uh, you know, I don't know, more than more than just a, a Casper the Friendly Ghost. It's interesting, though, that this entity's been plaguing him for the last 36 years. Mm-hmm. I mean, from the time he was two years old and could start to talk about it, it's been there. Like Guardian Angel-ish? I don't know that I'd call him that. Or Following Demon-ish. I don't know that I'd call him that either. He's somewhere kind yeah. of in the middle. He's a persnickety angel. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I... I and having the ability to communicate in dreams, too. That's another interesting aspect to this, where... Mm-hmm. Ah, I don't know. I, I I don't know. I'm really kind of in the middle. I would say, I mean, I totally understand not wanting it to bother your family and such, so that's why we're good on the route of trying and just say, hey, please don't do that. Yeah. But... Uh, Beyond that, what is what's step two? What's step two when the uh, the entity says, uh, "Nope, I'm going to keep bothering everyone because I want to." And we want to uh, to give some advice there, some uh, some advice on the message board or something, because that's kind of where that that seems to end. Because then it really gets into very specifics on the case as far as what the plan of attack should be. Let me say that'd be like kind of an outline. Someone should start an outline on that. Everybody can kind of weigh in, you know, what their suggestions would be. Step one, ask it to stop. Step two, if that doesn't work, go to plan A or plan B, you know, and just kind of break it down from there. That'd be good. I'd at least kind of give people some place to start with the process. Be interesting. Yeah. yeah. Then we can talk about that on the show and thoughts that everybody wants. Somebody wants to start that thread. That would be, uh, that'd be good up on the Real Ghost Stories Online. Uh, dot com. Let's go to another letter. Uh, just call me OGB. Uh, hello, Brewskies. Today I have a story for you. This is one of many that occurred throughout my childhood. First off, before I begin, I shall start with some backstory to help you understand the story that I'm going to recount for you. At this point in my life, I live way up in the secluded mountains overlooking the small ocean town Rosarito Beach in Baja, California, in Mexico. Uh, Being secluded and high up in the mountains, it can get very cold at night. And since it was a small and developing neighborhood, there weren't many completed houses, but there was a lot of open fields with a lot of tall weeds, tall enough to even hide in, if you wished. Now, the important detail that will come later in my story behind my house was another house under construction, about halfway done. And being that house was a lot of open fields with overgrown weeds that led to a steep hill going down, leading to more open fields, ultimately leading to acres upon acres of nothingness. Today, in this story, I shall share with you an experience I shall not soon forget. I remember waking up in the middle of the night, something I quite often did when I was young, but this time something was different. This time something just felt odd. Remember, it was a lot colder than usual, and I had a strange feeling something just wasn't right. I remember trying to speak, but for some reason nothing would come out. Being a curious child, I tried screaming for the hell of it, but to my surprise, nothing came out, not a single peep. At this point, I was convinced something wasn't right, yet again, being curious as I was, I decided to get up and go outside. I remember feeling quite strange when I got out of bed, almost like a head-cold feeling, slight dizziness, almost as if you aren't quite yourself, almost like walking in a different plane of existence. As I opened my front door, I noticed that my three dogs were staring at something and facing towards the uncompleted house behind me. Then they turned and faced me, looking at me, almost as if they didn't recognize me for my, for recognize me for a second, then quickly turned back to what they were staring at. As they whimpered and trembled in fear of whatever was out there, yet again curious as to what my dogs were looking at and feared, started to walk in that direction. And the closer I got, with help from the moonlight, I started to see a figure. A very tall figure, but not human. The figure I saw was, the best I can describe it, horse-shaped. Maybe about eight to nine feet tall, with very thin legs and body. And what seemed to be like a crown floating around its body, and a very... Uh, misshaped head, kind of like a sideways teardrop. 
In total disbelief, I stood there looking at this figure, trying to understand what it is I'm looking at. Yet at that moment, it suddenly noticed my presence and turned to look at me with its piercing, blood-red eyes. In fear of what may happen, I decided to slowly back away and head back inside with my dog whimpering the entire time. I locked my door after re-entering my house, walked back to my room and got into bed and fell back asleep. Although I do not know what I saw that night, nothing else happened after that. Well, nothing else other than what I usually saw and heard on a daily basis. But I shall leave that for another time. I thank you for taking time and reading about this encounter with the paranormal or quite possibly something demonic in nature. I love your podcast. I listen every day and been listening for quite some time since before Jenny was on. But I must say, Tony, you do deviate from the subject a lot and get lost in the most random of things. You're right, I do. But overall, you do a lovely job with your podcast, and I plan on staying a loyal member for a long time. Yours truly, OGB. To me, I think that sounds like something that was trying to portray itself as a horse, but missed it. I mean, <laughs> like, a, like when I when I try and draw a horse for Harper. Yeah, draw me horsey, Daddy, and then it ends up looking like a, a beastly, exactly bear what unicorn described. type thing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I don't know. Is that a monster? Yeah, I guess it kind of is, honey. <laughs> um, <laughs> so it's like a a demon that couldn't quite get the imagery right of what it was trying to project. <laughs> Well, like I want to be a horse thingy that will scare this person, and they this is the best it does. Well, we're talking about. I mean, we have talked about trying. You know, sometimes they try to portray things, and then they don't get it quite right. Like family members. Sure. I don't know how it would screw up a horse, but <laughs> I do. Do you think there's just some demons out there that are just kind of clusters like like people <laughs> I don't where, know. where it's like you know there's people out there that just always kind of screw things up just you know it's like do they have the best of intentions they're really trying their hardest but they can't quite get it done right you mean it's like a nailed it demon it's like a nailed it demon okay <laughs> like all right i'm gonna make this horse demon thing and ah shit <laughs> Kind of look more like a cross between a zebra and a donkey. You know, it's like, didn't quite make it work. I don't know. I don't know either. Like, it, it's a, uh, a fallible demon. You know, not not infallible, but a fallible demon. <laughs> I could see that happening. I don't know. That's, uh, that's interesting. 855-853-4802 is our phone number. Hey, if you want to support the show, keep us going. Uh, please become a uh, EPP. That's an extra podcast person. You get access to all of our previous uh, episodes. 23 EPP episodes out there for you now to sit there and binge upon. It's a lovely thing to do. Get that sent to you instantly when you become an EPP. Uh, and, uh, of course, you get a new episode every single week. It's only five bucks a month. Keeps our show afloat. Stephen writes in, hey, this is uh, Stephen in uh, Belgrade. I had fallen behind in my podcast listening, but I'm slowly catching up thanks to being moved to a new shift at work. My story kind of relates to one told in the Ghost of the Queen Mary episode released in late September. I used to work in a movie theater in my hometown. We had two locations, one of which being a discount theater where I spent increasingly more time the longer I worked there. My first experience at the discount theater occurred after the first rush of the shift. I stepped out from behind uh, the counter to begin cleaning the lobby. As soon as it had cleared out, while well, the manager, uh, my other co-worker, started cleaning behind the counter. The three of us were talking as I walked towards the butter bar to clean. In the middle of the empty lobby, I walked into a completely solid object. There was nothing visible in that spot, but it felt as if I had bumped into someone as we were walking in opposite directions down a narrow corridor. The co-workers even commented that my body reacted as if I had walked into someone as they were walking past me. This sparked a conversation about other occurrences in this theater. I, a hooded figure appeared on camera at the base of the stairwell leading up to the office that cannot be seen when you turn around and look down at the spot. And popcorn kernels were spilling across the floor after the nightly cleanup with really no way for the kernels to spill. There were others, but these were the stories that, stu that struck with me. 
as I moved up in the company, I found myself at the discount theater more and more and often found myself there along, alone with just one other employee. I began to notice objects being knocked over and sometimes even flying across the room as if thrown. I also began to hear unexplained voices. I was closing up one night while training to become a manager. The movies had ended, everything was clean, and the paperwork was done. My trainer and I went through the theater doing the end-of-night check. We'd confirmed that there was no one except us left in the theater, and were almost ready to leave when we heard voices in the bathrooms, which we had already checked. My trainer ran up to the office, freaked out, while I decided I needed to check the bathrooms again. During the checks, I continued to hear the voices. I even heard a stall door open and close, but there was no one there and no movement of the stall doors. I often played music on my iPod while I was at the theater. When I was there alone, songs would frequently skip about about a minute, after about a minute. This wouldn't happen when other people were at the theater with me. One day I got annoyed and yelled, Stop effing with my effing music! And every song played all the way through for the rest of the, no- of the night. I still use this iPod quite frequently and have never had it skipped that way anywhere else. Another day, I was in the booth threading the, pro- the projectors. We use ancient projectors that date back to the 80s that each had their own little quirks. One projector was located near a stairway at the rear of the building, and the door to the stairway was closed and locked. While threading this projector, I heard footsteps on the stairs. I opened the door, and while I didn't see anyone, the footsteps continued around as if someone walked to the wall and was standing against it. I had to finish threading, so I went back to work. While crouched down, I heard the footsteps again, moving away from the wall and stopping behind me as if someone was watching me. I finished threading the projector and ran back downstairs. I had many other occurrences at this theater over the course of seven years, but these are the most prominent in my mind. The final occurrence was the first one where I actually saw the entity. It was the end of the night, and I was excited to leave because I was going to fly to Bozeman for an interview for my new job early the next morning. I had to drop off the deposit key after running to the back and quickly ran into the theater and up to the office. As I turned into the stairwell, a smoky bust of a woman came into my vision. I was moving so quickly that by the time I had realized what I had seen, I was running through it and the smoke dissipated. This was a most unnerving occurrence for me. Thankfully, I never saw the hooded figure, although three others had reported seeing it on separate occasions. I did get that job and was moving to Montana just two weeks later. I have other occurrences which I'll write about at a later time, but I wanted to recount these stories because I've walked into a completely solid entity, as has the author in the story of the Queen Mary episode, although his was a visual entity as well. Thank you for reading. I'm sorry for the length, but I wanted to tell of all the occurrences because they all occurred at that theater. Stephen, in Belgrade. I wonder why you can physically run into some and then physically run through some of them. Mm -hmm. If they just like, I'm going to bounce you off me today. Do you think they have a choice? I mean, like the entities, do the entities choose how to... If they're going to propel the individual (laughs) or if they're going to just essentially dissipate i have no idea i mean how would you know i don't know and then i wonder if it's a it's a type of entity thing not a choice of entity thing could be you know if it's a human ghost non-human ghost good ghost bad ghost everywhere there ghost um i don't know i have no idea it's interesting that uh uh we talk a lot about haunted theaters mm-hmm. and we get a lot of stories about haunted theaters, a lot of them being performance theaters. Yeah. Um, but it makes total sense though, when you hear the story like this one, where it's of a movie theater, mm-hmm. I would almost think that you would have more movie theaters and maybe we'll have more of that over time just because, you know, you know, movie theaters are uh, younger in compared to performance theaters. 
It's yeah. not that they're new by any stretch of the imagination, but if you consider the life of a performance theater, which would go way back hundreds of years, a movie theater, a very old movie theater would really only be, uh, you know, 60, 78, you know, 80 years old in some cases. Sure. You know, and that'd be in an extreme case that it still even exists. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess the likelihood of the hauntings, you know, kind of go down just with, with less people going uh, in and out for, for years on, on end. But um, the amount of movies that are shown in, in movie theaters, uh, it's a right place for energy. Sure. You know, with, you know, emotions that you feel when watching a movie and almost more, especially with movie houses of today that pack in 20 screens. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering, you know, especially those ones, the mega theaters, which have really are kind of something of the last 20 years. I'm wondering if if those are places that 20 years down the road, 30 years down the road, 40 years down the road are going to be just ripe with hauntings. I could see that because of all the different emotions you feel. Yeah. But you have to think, though, there are a lot of performance theaters that have been converted to mm-hmm. show movies. Sure. So you have some of that going on, too. Sure. I'm just I'm just saying, like, the sheer number of movies that can be in some of these houses. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of the performance theaters, those tend to be smaller complexes, unless they're built on two. Right. They tend to be like one screen, two screen, th- three screen. Sometimes they divide up. The the movie theater in my hometown, which they just demolished, but they kept the marquee, uh, <laughs> was originally, um, it was a performance theater and uh, had, essentially they took the main giant screen uh, or stage, if you will, and made it three screens and walled it. Okay. And but they it was really neat because they kept the ornateness of it inside so you could still see what it was, which is always a really cool thing as a kid to see. Uh-huh. Like the balcony was even still there, like up in front balcony. Mm-hmm. Um and um so that was one of the older ones that was converted. Um but I'm just wondering where you have like the twenty mega house theaters or even more in some cases, if those are going to be heavier than the three, four, five screen. Could be. Just because there's more there. Yeah. You know? I don't know. It's an interesting, interesting thought uh, and something that as the show progresses many years down into the future, if, if we can look back on on that thought and uh, reference, hey, when we talked about that back in 2015. Yeah. If uh, if that's uh, something that will uh, come about. Yeah. Interesting. If you like the show, please support it. Become an EPP. Sign up at realghoststoriesonline.com. Five bucks a month. You get 23 bonus episodes instantly. You get a brand new one every single week. It's only five bucks. You keep the show alive by becoming an EPP. And you get all those nice extras as well. So please uh, consider checking that out. Of course, you can share your real ghost story with us by calling 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 855-853-4802. Or just send us your story on the website, realghoststoriesonline.com. Until next time, for Jenny Bruski, I'm Tony Bruski. Thanks for listening to another episode of Real Ghost Stories Online.